The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast, uh, recording this on a Friday night in Southern California. Today, uh, you always hate when you have to do a podcast uh, about a topic like this, but we'll be discussing the sudden and very tragic death of an NBA legend, Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others in a plane crash about a month ago. And uh, joining me to discuss this, uh, one of my good friends for a long time and a very huge uh, diehard Kobe Bryant fan from San Diego, California. We got Jay on the line. What's up, Jay? How you doing? Doing good, man. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, it's uh, been about a month since I, since I did a podcast, but uh, I hate to be, like I said, like I mentioned, to be discussing very tragic news like this. And this is probably, in my lifetime, probably the most one of the most tragic deaths in the sports world. I mean, I I don't know if I can really kind of compare kind of the global impact that this has had uh, in the sports world to like anything else that's occurred in my lifetime. I mean, as far as like uh, sudden tragic deaths go, so I don't. It's just very like jarring and shocking and sudden and. Even still to this day, about a month later, it's still uh, very surreal to me. It's still like when I see pictures, images on TV, memorials, Kobe highlights on Instagram, it's still sinking in to me that uh, this event has occurred and uh, Kobe is gone and it's just it's very tragic. So I just kind of want to go back to January 26th, the Sunday when the event occurred. <laughs> Uh, the unfortunate event. Uh, what was kind of your reaction initially, and then how? Where were you at when you found out ab- about the tragic news? And uh, well, first and foremost, you know, rest in peace to all those uh, Kobe, his daughter, and all those involved. Man, it's uh, like you said, uh, super tragic. But yeah, you know, I just got back from the gym. Uh, you know, just you know, we got back from the gym. Just, Enjoy my Sunday. Also, I see a text from you and my oldest brother just saying like, "But you told me what it is." And my oldest brother was just telling me like, "What happened to Kobe?" I googled. And I just didn't want to believe it, man. I was just hoping like it was misreported and all those things. And I remember calling my other brother and my sister, telling them because they haven't heard either. I was just in shock. Honestly, I was in shock for. Her. Even now, honestly, I, I, I feel like it's, it doesn't feel real, like surreal. It's just like you were saying, you know, that ruined my, uh, you know, my day, you know. But yeah, that's where I was at, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a tragic. I mean, I was I first got caught wind of the news um, kind of in a WhatsApp group chat. Uh, one, someone had kind of uh, shared the article that TMZ had broke the news that Kobe had died in a helicopter crash, and I believe I was driving home from uh, some some shopping I was doing, and 
I didn't want to believe it at first. And then kind of just Googling it, looking on the news, uh, seeing other outlets reporting it, lots of people tweeting it. And once you kind of saw that, uh, you kind of knew it was probably more factual, more credible. And it's just one of those things that, I mean, you definitely don't want to hear. And then kind of just going through the whole day Sunday, I mean, obviously the whole mood was ruined for myself and like like yourself you mentioned. And then just going through all the kind of different details because we didn't have all the details at first. We didn't know how many people were on the plane. Uh, and then I think about a few hours later, it was just I learned that his daughter was also on the plane as well. And that was kind of even uh, to me – a kind of a bigger blow than hearing about Kobe. I mean, just because, I mean, losing uh, Kobe, a legend in his own right, I mean, is one thing. And then to hear that uh, his daughter, uh, who is going to go on and try to live on and uh, kind of uh, continue his legacy playing basketball, was also on the plane. And that was kind of very, that was probably the most sad moment uh kind of just hearing that and it was just so tragic and your heart just drops i mean when you hear the news of his daughters on the on the kind of on the plane with him so it's just really tragic i mean did, when did you kind of first hear about his daughter being on the plane and what was your reaction as well to that man you know when you told me i like i, I google hoping it wasn't true <laughs> And then, like I said, more and more, like, these social outlets just reporting these things. And me just hoping, like, dude, Kobe, come on. He jumped out the air uh, helicopter. He'll be all right, you know. But, I mean, I read a report that all his daughter was there. I heard a report, like, Rick Fox was even on there in the helicopter. And I was just hoping, like, you know, all these, like, all these stories. And I was just hoping, you know, none of it was true. But, um, like you said, man, when I heard his daughter was when I heard the final results of uh, who was on the helicopter, it was just so incredibly sad, man. And, um, you know, just she'd be so young. I believe she was 13 years old and such a full life ahead of her. And even Kobe, you know, he was uh, young as well. And it just makes it so sad. Like, uh, you know, when Kobe retired, you didn't really see him at Laker games. And, you know, the reason why he was coming back is his daughter took a great interest in playing basketball and that's why he started to come to the games because she wanted to go watch the games and just to see the bond of uh, you know father and daughter man it's uh, and I heard the news it was so incredibly sad and not a day goes by since January 26 I haven't thought about Kobe and I'm still very sad and shocked and um, yeah man it was tough and you know it was tough man I was almost felt like Kobe was like some sort of kinship towards me. You know, we didn't really know Kobe, but he had such a huge impact <laughs> on uh, globally. And it was just crazy, man. It was definitely, he meant uh, to me more than basketball player, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, growing up, um, kind of parents, other people kind of tell you that, you know, it's basketball is just a game. These guys don't really affect your life and stuff. But you watch these these all these uh, games and matches that moments that Kobe has brought to you. And even though you've never met him in 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 person, for most people, 
you build a, an emotional attachment to him. You you kind of try to take on some of his habits, uh, his work ethic from the mama mentality, and you kind of try to implement that in your real life. And no matter, I mean, what uh, it's every, people. Some people say basketball is a form of entertainment. That may be true, but us kind of growing up in LA and I think seeing Kobe so many times on TV and maybe even at Staples Center in person a few times, uh, you kind of build that emotional attachment, being a Laker fan, being a Kobe fan. And it's just, it's just very tragic. But I guess like before we move forward, like all the other outlets have been doing, I think we should, it's only right we do, what everyone else has been doing a, a moment of silence and we'll do 24 seconds as everyone else has been doing and we'll start that now Okay, thank you. Uh, so I guess going back to kind of the tragic news, uh, obviously there's there's a memorial set to be taking place this Monday at Staples Center, February 24th. The numbers of uh, Gianna and Kobe and tickets are just uh, very hard to get for this. You have to be, you have to register and only a few were selected. Uh, were you able to register, Jay, or no? I try. I got waitlisted, and you know, with work and everything, it, I would have to call out work and stuff. Uh, it'd be a little difficult, but no, I wasn't able to get it. Uh, how about you? Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just gonna be crazy out there. I mean, I, I actually didn't register, but uh, I, I, a lot of my friends registered. I think some of them were able to get, actually get tickets, so some of them will be going. But yeah, most most people are kind of in that same boat as you, uh, registered, but uh, kind of got waitlisted, so that's unfortunate. But, I mean, it's just, there's so many Kobe fans kind of across the world, and uh, kind of on the day that it happened, I I visited one of my friends uh, who uh, recently got married, and his wife is not someone who grew up in L.A., and we were kind of just explaining the impact of Kobe to her that he had on LA and uh, my friend was kind of comparing it to a similar a death that occurred in 1996 that had a global impact of Princess Diana and I kind of explained it in, in, the, in the phrase that Kobe was like a godlike figure in LA and Kobe in his heyday probably from like 2004 up until the 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 day he retired in 2016 probably like a 12 13 year stretch i mean you look at la a city full of stars directors actors spielberg leonardo dicaprio robert de niro all those guys kobe in his heyday was more popular than all of them and that's kind of how i explained it to her and is that something kind of you felt for for sure i mean growing up watching kobe i mean he had that kind of impact in la i mean much more popular than all those uh, Hollywood movie stars and directors? Oh, for sure, man. I mean, 
you know, Kobe wasn't from uh, California, LA, but he, I think he best represented what the city of Angels is all about, and he's pretty much synonymous with like Los Angeles. You know, you don't need to say his last name. The second someone says Kobe, you know who everyone knows who who that is. You know, just his first name alone, and um, yeah, yeah, like you just said, man, his, his impact goes way beyond basketball, and he was. Like yeah, you're like godlike figure uh, amongst uh, LA and globally as well. But yeah, man, it's, uh, it's a tough business, man. Yeah, and then kind of just going back to kind of Kobe in the basketball world. I would say outside of Michael Jordan and the history of the NBA, I think no other player is, in my opinion, more popular than Kobe. On a global aspect, you go from china to all those other countries i don't think i mean you can make a argument of maybe who's a better basketball player or whatever but from a popularity standpoint strictly i don't think anybody in the basketball world is more popular in the history of the game maybe aside from michael jordan everyone's showing to kobe like the philippines they did like a nice memorial mural of him and him and his dog it's just like all around the world like I think he's definitely most popular, one of the deep, like, well-known names out there. Yeah, I mean, definitely for sure. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, the 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 love, the condolences are still pouring on about a month later, and Staples Center has basically just become kind of just the whole block has just become a memorial site. I, I have yet to to go there uh, since the tragic incident occurred and it's just uh i mean i haven't been to a laker game in a very long time at staples center so i mean it's just kind of for me the next time i do go to a laker game at staples center is just going to be kind of uh kind of a weird environment uh, in some senses but also it's going to be kind of just a surreal kind of environment as well and all this, like I said, I mean, just still feels like a bad dream. Uh, I don't want to believe it, but it's uh, eventually, I, I think, in my mind, going to have to set in at some point, and I, I don't know when that will be. But I mean, I guess like let's kind of discuss some of our, our favorite moments watching Kobe during his career, and we'll we'll start with you. I mean, what are kind of your some of your favorite moments from his career that you remember, and that will always sit with you? The rest of your life man well the 81 point game was definitely one of those like you know just a regular season game and i remember just watching it and throwing in at that point i had the vhs and i started to start recording it i was like oh my god what's happening right now and it was just crazy you know they played toronto i believe in 06 and january 22nd of 2006 and man that 81-point game was just just something else, you know. At that point, Lakers weren't that good. They were, like, basically a 500-ball club. Um, but Kobe had an amazing season. You know, he had, like, average, I think, 35 some odd points. If you remember, that was the year where um, they went up 3-1, which another memorable Kobe moment where he tied it, you know, uh, against the Suns, and they hit the game winner, if you remember that. Yeah, game four against Phoenix, first round, yes. I, I, yeah, I, unfortunately, obviously, they, they couldn't, uh, they blew the 3-1 lead, but I think for me, just the 81-point game, but it definitely sticks out. But, you know, I, I I guess I can't really name a specific 
Kobe moment is just every time he steps on the court, it was just like he gave it his all, man. You, you people talk about the blood, sweat, and tears. That was what Kobe was about, just the passion, the dedication, and the... Uh, if you want to look for inspiration of hard work and just giving your all and seeing, like, results, like, Kobe's the guy to go to, you know, like, the Mamba mentality, man. And um, definitely one memory of Kobe that I always take to my group would be just the, the dedication he he took to his craft and never has half anything. And it showed even after he retired, you know, like, everything he did from writing the books, winning the Oscar, like, you went all out, you know? That dedication, that perseverance, the, the passion was always there. And that's just Kobe. Kobe being Bryant. But, yeah, I would probably say the A1 point game really sticks out. Um, you know, beating the Celtics in Game 7, that pins and needles, where he ran after the ball, after the buzzer sound, he hopped on the scorer's table and just, it was a good moment now. Yeah, I mean, when you remember Kobe, uh, the reputation for him is always hard worker, great work ethic, uh, kind of that first one in the gym, last one to leave, that type of mentality. And like you said, that's something that he implemented in his life after retirement and kind of uh, moving into fatherhood with his, uh, with his do- all his daughters and stuff and with his wife. Uh, he had no sons. Um, he just had his fourth daughter, I believe, uh, she was born in August or something. So it's just, it's a very, very sad and tragic loss, obviously for Vanessa and the three daughters that survive him. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, when you hear Kobe's name, I mean, like you said, yeah, just a hundred percent for uh, everything that he, he uh, tried to conquer in life. And moving towards this next phase of his life, I mean, he lived, I mean, died very young at 41, but still lived a pretty full life, if you think about everything that he kind of did. I mean, 20 full years on the Lakers, and then about three and a half years uh, after he, or almost about four years between his retirement and his tragic death. And like you said, going into writing, going to venture a lot of uh startup capital venture capital stuff and giving everything that he did uh, uh, his all i mean so as far as like moments go from his basketball career i'll kind of share some of a few of mine obviously that 81 point game as well is one of my favorite moments as well uh the other some other few are kind of early on in his career along with Kobe and Shaq when they had the run in 2000 to the Lakers' first title in, I believe, over 12 years since 1988 when they beat uh, Portland in that Game 7. That iconic play from that game is always the Kobe running down the lane and when he gets kind of to the elbow near the free throw line, lobbing it up to Shaq and then Shaq... T- hey, uh, Slamming home that big dunk, which pretty much ices that game seven, caps the big 15-point comeback in the fourth quarter, and then you see Shaq running down the court on the timeout towards Kobe with his big burly eyes all puffed out, and you know the Lakers are secured that game and are going to their first finals since 1991 at that point. 
to take on Indiana. And then that takes me kind of to another moment that I remember from that season. Game four, Lakers up 2-1 in that series. Uh, game goes to overtime. Shaq fouls out. And I think Indiana's kind of very happy at that moment. Uh, they can kind of tie up the series. And young Kobe uh, off uh, an injury didn't did not play in <laughs> game three, I believe, because of I think a foot injury or, or something that he occur- in, incurred in game two. And that was to me what I kind of believe kind of his Kobe's coming out moment, which kind of set the table for the kind of the uh, the 13-year run that he had after that as kind of one of the league's 10 best players. I mean, in that game four, I mean, basically taking over that game four after Shaq got fouled out, making all the big plays, all the big buckets for the Lakers, and just showing a kind of gentle calm for a very, a very young 21-year-old at that time to take the Lakers to a 3-1 lead in that series at that point. And which they ended up winning their first championship in 12 years in six games against Indiana that season. And then kind of two of my other moments I'll share. Uh, the next season, 2001, when those both of those series against uh, Sacramento and San Antonio, the conference semifinals and the conference finals, I believe that was might have been the best I've ever seen Kobe play in his playoff career. I mean, in the, in those two series, I mean, he was just unbelievable. I think he averaged something around like 40 in each series, something around like 10 rebounds. I mean, he was just playing phenomenal in those series. And that was the, one of the most dominant playoff teams I've ever seen. They finished with a 15 and one record and went back to back. And then lastly, last moment I'll share, uh, obviously Kobe's last game, I mean, he he did he did take fifty shots, but down the stretch there, against a I believe a playoff bound or Utah team, uh, scored sixty points and made all the big baskets down the stretch. On <laughs> kind of that messed up Achilles down the stretch in his last three seasons of his career, so that was he definitely ended it with a bang, and that was definitely a sight to see. And then I don't know if you remember that game. That night, that was also the same night where Golden State had that historic season, and they they basically won the seventy third game against Memphis that season. They played Kobe's last game on ESPN, and the goal, the Warriors got backtracked to ESPN two for that game. So that was just crazy. So, yeah. But I, I guess I guess I guess it was the right decision because the the Warriors ultimately lost to the finals. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, one more performance for the ages, man. Yeah, I mean, definitely that was that was that was definitely a sight to see. And then, I mean, I mean, just like anything else, kind of that comes to your mind about his career. I mean. Uh, in particular moments, I mean, uh, I totally just blanked out. But yeah, that that whole one season where they went fifteen and one, yeah, Kobe just like manhandled both of those series. But that's when Shaq called Kobe his, I think his idol, and 
the best player by far in one of those in, uh, post-game interviews. You yeah, I remember that. And then, I mean, kind of the sad part of, I guess, about that is that you look, that, that was kind of a team that was kind of primed to, you, you thought, to own the decade, right? But... Oh yeah. Who knew it was it was it was going to end three years later so quickly, right? So. Yeah, I mean, you could dominate yeah for the next like ten years, but you know. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, in particular moment, I uh, can't really think of everything right now. To be honest with you. Okay, I guess some uh, kind of other question that I kind of want to discuss with you, and this is some uh, a topic that a lot of. Uh, kind of uh people who are behind women's rights are bringing up the the rape allegation for kobe in 2003 so do you think this is something we see a lot more of moving forward and what's kind of your reaction to everyone kind of bringing this up more and more as we've seen kobe's tragic death and what's kind of the agenda behind these stories coming up what do you think I mean, I'm not sure what the agenda is. It just feels, feels like they're just bashing Kobe. But, you know, it just seems like poor timing, honestly. Like, the guy just passed away. And old Gail King did an interview with uh, Leslie and just yeah. brought it up. I just thought a lot of that was just bad timing. I was like, you know, the guy just passed away. So it was tragic. It was like, is there really any need to say those things right now? But, yeah, but unfortunately, it's, it's part of his, his legacy, you know, that it's like a... It's like an asterisk against uh, his name, but you know, I mean, you, you look at, at what happened afterwards after that whole incident. Like he was, he was doing good, you know. You didn't hear much about him anymore. Um, I mean, he was being a role model, in my opinion. So, yeah, are I there mean, agenda? I mean, you know how it is right now. It's like a modern day witch hunt where people are just like looking for a story, just to like all this uh, Me Too movement shit. Yeah, I mean, definitely, the, I guess, the timing. I mean, regardless of how the case turned out, it is a bad stain on uh, Kobe's life and career. And Kobe, I mean, at the time the incident occurred, was, I believe, 24 years old, about to be 25. And, I mean, it's just unfortunate. I mean, it's a mistake that he made, a mistake that uh, I believe he owned. He took accountability for it right in front of national TV, in front of his wife, sitting right, right next to him, a young Vanessa Bryant at the time. And it's something that it was very unfortunate. Obviously, I'm sure if you asked Kobe personally after the incident, he he would have told you that he regretted everything that occurred in that hotel room or in that hotel with the, the young woman in, in Colorado. And it's something that he he grew and learned from. And it's something that he kind of, uh, like you said, after that was a kind of a model citizen, became more of a family man, and became more, uh, more, uh, I guess, passionate about empowering women in sports, as he was doing with his uh, daughter's team at the Mamba Academy, and also kind of with raising three three daughters and now four recently. So, I mean, it's something that I, I don't really know what occurred there. I mean, not only maybe few people, Kobe, the the alleged accuser, and God know what, what took place. And, I mean, the case was ultimately dismissed. Uh, 
it's definitely not a good good thing on Kobe's legacy, but I think he, there was enough time that passed since then where Kobe learned, grew into a man, and kind of redeemed himself and learned from it and took accountability for it and became more of a family man. And almost, I mean, at that point after that, his marriage almost ended twice at that point. And also recently again, I think in 2011 or 2012, I think he was about to divorce his wife as well. And kudos to him. I mean, he stuck it out, uh, the hardships and they kind of worked through their differences and have raised four uh, beautiful daughters. And ho hopefully they, they all grow to be the three that are survived now now that Gianna is gone, hopefully they all grow up to be great uh, successes and some uh, something to make their their parents proud. But yeah, it's a stain on Kobe's legacy, and like I said, he, he'll tell you himself if you ask him after that that he regrets everything. And my view on it, I mean, it's definitely not a good thing. But he learned from it, and he he grew from it, and took accountability. And I think that's that's a, definitely a big thing. Exactly, man. Well, what person who who hasn't sinned, you know? But I think the most important thing is you learn from those sins and look like Kobe did. And but, you know, there's certain people that just won't let it go and just kind of bash people no matter what. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, the, the timing. I think that's kind of there's there's a better time to kind of uh, discuss that, and I think. I think 15 years had passed, I think, before Kobe's tragic death from that incident. Oh, more than 15 years, I believe, almost. And that's I, I like very bad timing, and it's something that sh should not ha have been mentioned, in my opinion, at all. I mean, even though it is part of his life, I mean, it's kind of his, part of his whole story. But I, yeah, I don't yeah. think, because enough, I mean, we ultimately, like, don't know what happened, and the case was ultimately dropped. I mean, so, I mean, I think we should just leave it at that. So. Exactly. I uh, agree 100%. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, I don't really, I mean, even after discussing everything right here, going through kind of Kobe's career, his life, I mean, I, anything else you really want to touch on? I mean, I, I don't, Really know if I have much more. You know, one random thing, man. You know, I collect Kobe stuff, his shoes, his, you know, uh -huh. jerseys and stuff. Like, so I got your jersey that you gifted me. Um, just so disgusting, man, where literally hours after he passed away, people are just trying to profit out of his death, man. It's just like, you know, I'm a big sneaker guy, and people just like, you just see the resale on it. I'm like, dude, the guy just passed away, and the people just try to make a quick buck, you know? Come on, shoes that are around a hundred dollars going up upwards of like sixty six hundred to a thousand dollars is just it's just crazy, man. Just because a guy passed away and people take advantage of that, it's just disgusting, man. But yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, disrespectful. I guess that's kind of the American mentality. I mean, sometimes it's mostly it's good, but there's also situations where it's not good, right? And this is one of them, right? Where you're kind of profiting off the death of a global uh, sports icon. And I mean, it, like to kind of build further on that, I mean, everything you look on eBay, Amazon is going off the charts for 
that relates to Kobe from shoes to basketball cards to autographed jerseys to ticket stubs from his 81-point game and 60-point game, I'm sure. And it's just, I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of what some people think about. I mean, but, uh, I mean, that's kind of the American mentality. And sometimes, most of the time, it's good. And then this time, it's kind of sad to see. I mean, maybe not think about that right away, maybe kind of later on. But, I mean, kind of just, I mean... And I'm sure I speak for a lot of people. It's still like, it's still like just unsurreal, like a bad dream. I mean, and I'm not even like a guy that kind of grew up like, like Kobe is like my favorite player, Lakers, my favorite team. And it's still just like hit me pretty hard as well. So it's just re- really kind of tough to see. But I guess with that, I mean, anything else? Yeah, that's pretty much we touched on a lot. So it's just, you know, honestly, it still feels so surreal, you know, almost being uh, close to a month since it happened. But uh, rest in peace to Kobe once again. Um, favorite basketball player of all time. I just hope more than anything else, you know, uh, Lakers do for Kobe this year. Like, I hope they dedicated to it in Kobe's honor, you know. But I think part of that moment mentality is, uh, you know, moving forward positively, you know. We care a lot about Kobe. He meant a lot to us, and I think the one way to make him proud is to, um, you know, do that with my mentality and move forward, like, continue your life and just to honor his legacy, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I second that. And then, uh, I mean, to kind of carry on what you said, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and the seven others on that uh, on that helicopter uh, that tragically crashed on January 26th. And may their loved ones uh, have patience through this difficult time. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I honestly like the All-Star, too, man. The All-Star, you know, how they, a lot of uh, dedication to Kobe. I thought it was such a great gesture. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, another, I guess, another thing that's really unfortunate is that He's going to be going into the Hall of Fame in, in August, and that that was just so close. I mean, he literally became eligible for the Hall of Fame and was um, announced for the Hall of Fame about three weeks after his passing. So that's just very unfortunate that he'll be going into the Hall of Fame uh, posthumously. So. Yeah, that's sad, man. Uh, it's very sad. But, you know, I, I know Kobe said in the past, he, you know, you have those speakers to present uh, the Hall of Famers. Uh, you mentioned Phil Jackson and MJ, so I wonder if they're going to be uh, doing it. Mm, yeah, that's true. We'll see what happens, man. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, who ultimately accepts the award for Kobe in August, but uh, mention it again. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and the rest of the seven people on that plane. Yes, sir. And I guess with that, I guess we'll kind of move on to some some other NBA topics. So kind of uh, for most teams, I guess between 25 and 30 games left for, for the regular season and kind of got like some exciting uh, playoff races at the top of each conferences. And then, I mean, trade deadline wise, I don't really wasn't really intrigued by really any of the trades. I mean, the biggest trade I would say was probably the, 
Covington Capella one or and I don't even know how big really that was. So I guess yeah. I guess it's it's only fair that we begin with Kobe's team, the Lakers, and kind of just discuss them. I mean, you being a big Laker fan, Jay. So Lakers pretty much stood pat at the trade deadline. It looks like they're going to be signing Markeith Morris now, who who got bought out. So what's kind of your outlook for the Lakers uh their last 29 30 games of the season and what do you kind of what have you what have you liked so far and what have you not liked? You know, Lakers look good. <laughs> you know, they took care of business against the sub 500 teams. They have a pretty good record against the West. You know, I read a story how Lakers stood pat on the trade deadline because, you know, Kobe's passing and it just kind of just shell-shocked the whole organization. So they kind of just, uh, like Frank Vogel said, you know, they kind of became a really close-knit, like, family during that time. So it wasn't too shocking. They didn't make any moves. Trading it went away. Might have been, like, detrimental to the chemistry. But, you know, Lakers looking good. Um, I think they should probably load man's LeBron a little more. Um, I read it's interesting that how Anthony Davis is not playing much in the fourth, not averaging a lot, so maybe they can kind of make him to like a go-to guy um, and not be so heavily reliant on LeBron. But, you know, I think Lakers are good. The only thing I really don't like is, you know, against the good teams, they, the really contending teams, they've lost. They lost, baby. They lost the Coopers twice. They lost to Milwaukee. They got blown out by Boston. Um, you know, the contending teams, you know. I mean, even before the season started, people already pegged uh, Lakers and Clippers in the conference finals. But um, one thing that really impressed me is their road record. Right now, they're twenty-three and five. I think they won when they beat Denver the game right before the All Star break. I think they won seventeen straight or something against like on the road against the West teams, which is very impressive. You know, if you know anything about the NBA championship, if you want to be a championship. You got to win on the road, and uh, Lakers are doing a good job on the road. One of the best road records in the NBA, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, twenty-three and five. I mean, better away record right now than a home record than their home record. And then, I mean, like you said, yeah. I mean, overall against teams over five hundred, I think they have uh, one of the better records in the league. But they haven't won kind of those prime time games. And uh, I guess it kind of reminds me a little of LeBron's first year in Miami. Uh, maybe I I think that season, uh, they lost three games to Boston, Miami. Uh, three out of the four, I think they lost all three games to Chicago, and then come playoff time, they were able to handle those teams. So, maybe you can kind of hope the Lakers kind of do duplicate that this season with the kind of their their tough records against kind of they have they're zero two so far against the Clippers, and then. Uh, they lost to Milwaukee. They lost to Boston. They get a chance at redemption versus Boston. They play them at home on Sunday. And kind of, I mean, what's I'm down the stretch, I mean, kind of like fourth quarter late game situations, I mean, I don't really like this kind of the stagnation. I mean, I think LeBron obviously has to kind of take the bigger shots, but I think also at the same time, I think he has to, kind of have that mentality to be a playmaker and set up other guys so they're kind of ready for those moments in the playoffs and their offense does not become predictable for opposing defenses late in, in get late game pressure situations in the playoffs. I think that's very vital. And kind of their late game lineup, I mean, 
obviously Davis, LeBron, uh, probably you say Danny Green, and uh, who are who are the, who are the other two? You think what do you? Hey, who's the lineups recently? So yeah, it's it's LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kuzma's not in there really late in games unless it's like a blowout. Yeah, Kuzma hasn't really been in there. That's kind of odd. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, I, I question his fit with the Lakers. I thought he'd be a good like a third option for the Lakers, but I think him just adjusting to coming off the bench, he, he hasn't adjusted well, and he's. Yeah, he is not, and I mean, I think part of the reason the Lakers kept him is just because his contract is kind of uh, still the rookie deal, so it's very friendly in comparison to other guys that are kind of comparable to him that they could trade for, like Bogdanovich from the Kings or Dinwiddie from the Nets or Covington from the Minnesota, who ultimately ended up in Houston. So I think that's part of the reason why I think they kind of kept him. But yeah, he's just kind of been an odd fit, and... I mean, he's kind of offensive heavy guy. I mean, he. I think if he can hit a three consistently, I think he's going to be out there more, right? In crunch time yeah. situations. But yeah, I like Danny Green out there. He's that you know savvy veteran who's hit, who's known to hit big shots as well with the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, so. you, you would imagine Markeith Morris is probably going to be out there now, right? Or I mean, just because of his versatility and. I think so. You know, good rebounder, good defender, can knock the shot down. Um, and then that seems more acceptable to the role playing. That fifth guy, that fifth guy is probably just whoever's hot, right? Between the guards, whether it be Bradley, Quinn Cook, Rondo, whoever's. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen some Laker games. They kind of interchange with Caruso in there, or Kuzma, or Rondo. Whoever's like playing hot that night, he gets to play the fourth, and I think that's how just Lakers have been rolling lately, as of late. Yeah. But uh, don't sleep on Rondo, man. Playoff Rondo is a playoff Rondo yeah. is a killer. I've seen it many times. Yeah, he's uh. We'll see what happens, but you know he's shown flash of his old self. But again, I think he he's the type of player who just paces himself and come playoff time he's healthy. You'll see playoff Rondo step it up. Hopefully, that's the whole point. Yeah, and then wh- what do you think kind of about their center rotation? Dwight Howard has looked pretty good off the bench. I mean, and give them pretty uh, good solid minutes. Oh, man, you remember I texted you, I'm like, oh, please, God, no, do not sign him. But, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise, man. He's uh, very shocked that he's accepted, the, you know, a bench role player, uh, you know, a team first type uh, role. And very pleasantly surprised. I'm, you know, happy that he's, it's been a few years since he contributed positively to the team. And, you know, ever since he left the Lakers, he's like just a journeyman from Houston, Charlotte. Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, wherever else he's been, <laughs> he's been all over the place, man. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I mean, usually, I mean, that's kind of a situation where you see, where he's really been a joke of the league since basically been traded from Orlando. He's been a guy who's been a bad locker room guy, bad chemistry type guy. But thankfully, it's worked out really good for the Lakers, and hopefully, that will continue into the playoffs. And I mean. Lakers uh, are one of the better defensive teams as well in the NBA. I mean, I obviously I think Anthony Davis is kind of the anchor of that, and then LeBron, uh, uh, compared to recent seasons, has kind of been playing, uh, showing more effort and playing better defensively. I mean, I think he's kind of at that point in his career where he's not like the dominant defender where he was in his. I think he was the the best he was ever on defense was during his Miami seasons. 
first three Miami seasons, and then it's kind of been slipped a little, uh, little by little, season by season since then. And he's kind of that uh, that guy now where he can. He's very smart. He can play very good in kind of a team defensive schemes. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. So, I mean, that's very a good sign if you're a Laker fan because come playoff time, games get uh, fouls, a contact, the refs let go, fouls are kind of hard to come by. The game becomes more of a half-court type, situational type sets game. So that's kind of a good sign if you're a Laker fan to see them so good defensively and one of the better defensive teams in the league. Good to be tall, that's for sure. And Lakers have length. Yes, yes, they definitely have a lot of length. And then, I guess, comparing them to the other crosstown team, the Clippers, who tend to relatively go small with Montrez Harrell at center with their other guys, and they are very good defensively as well. I mean, we haven't seen them like really fully together, though. And with Kawhi's load management, Paul George shoulder issues, so what do we kind of see for them, the Clippers? I mean, uh, are they are they playing too cool, or are they truly the on off switch team? I don't think they're on off switch team. I mean, they're you know they're a very new team. They got two big pieces, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and I think if you want to play that on off switch thing, come playoff time, it might bite you in your ass. And they're just I don't think they've been together long enough to do that. But I think. A main concern is injuries, you know. Uh, Patrick Beverly's out. Uh, Paul George has been dealing with injuries throughout the whole season. Uh, Kawhi, again, load manager. But, you know, when Kawhi plays, man, he's pretty freaking amazing. But um, it might just really come down to who's healthier. But if we think about matchups on paper, Clippers look better. But Clippers, uh, they have no answer for Anthony Davis. So can Anthony Davis be that difference maker? Yeah, that's true. Take I mean, over the that's, series? that's the big question, I think, in that matchup. I don't think they really have the answer for Anthony Davis. I mean, Montrezl Harrell is not fast enough. And then Paul George and Kawhi are not big enough or lanky enough to, in my opinion, deal with him. I mean, Kawhi might be able to, but then he'll lose a lot of energy offensively. And that yeah. that, that matters a lot. And Kawhi, I mean, he did it. He did this last season, first season in Toronto, led them to a title. Uh, everyone think, kind of thinks he, he'll do that again, I guess. Kind of interesting subplot here is that Kawhi or LeBron, if they both, uh, either one of them win a title, they'll be winning uh, a title with three different teams. And then possibly both either one of them are looking to become the first player to win uh, three finals MVPs with three different teams. So that would be crazy, man. Honestly, if that happens, that would be one for the books for sure. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the Clippers. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, with their best five, it's definitely got to be Harold, George, uh, Kawhi, probably Lou Williams, and then that fifth guy is probably you can kind of like kind of similar to Lakers. You can kind of choose a, a few guys, maybe Landry Shamit, Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly. I mean, who knows? Uh, so. They got depth, that's for sure, man. They got a lot of good players. Yes, they definitely have a lot of depth. I mean, they can go, I think, at least eight or nine deep uh, going into the playoffs. But, I mean, usually during the playoffs, I mean, you kind of stick with, like, seven, eight guys, right? You Mainly for the, the line share of the minutes. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, so I guess those are kind of definitely the two favorites. I think we both agree on that. But another interesting team who probably made the biggest move in the West, <coughs> trading Clint Capella and going ultra small, even smaller than the Clippers with P.J. Tucker at the center and two uh, high-usage uh, ball-stopping type players in Harden and Westbrook. What do you kind of see from the Rockets? I mean, they've been playing well as of late, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Westbrook has been playing a lot better, shooting less threes. I think shooting overall like 55% in the last month, month and a half. So is this sustainable for the long term for the Houston, or is this just a gimmick going into the playoffs? What do you think? I think it's a gimmick, man. I mean, come on, look at I think Who's the tallest guy in the court? Was it? Don't tell me. Is PJ Tucker one of the tallest guys on the court? I believe PJ Tucker is is the center in their their, I mean their best five or their starting lineup. I mean, I think they start Westbrook, Harden, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and I forgot who the fifth guy is. It might be. I mean, they do have Jeff Green who comes off the bench. He's like six yeah. nine, but he he doesn't play the center. I think as far as center goes, it's going to be P.J. Tucker in their crunch time, I mean, closing the game lineups. I mean, they've been playing well, but Westbrook honestly been playing amazing, honestly. You know, he stopped shooting the threes. He's been more efficient, but that's not going to – I mean, he's hot now, but come playoff time, <laughs> James Harden has been well-known to like, pretty much choke in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, he's like I a mean, regular season player at this point. I say this about Harden all the time. The I mean – He's a guy that's very dependent on getting foul calls, and that tends to happen less, even if, even if you are a superstar in the playoffs. And I think because of that, he kind of suffers in some of the the bigger games. I mean, you look for 2017, the game they got eliminated, I think he was 2 for 17. That crazy comeback they had in 2015 against the Clippers, he again game six, he was on the bench for that whole time they made that crazy comeback with Josh Smith and Corey Brewer. So... <laughs> I don't know what what to kind of see. I mean, it's kind of gimmicky. I mean, it's kind of something that might work short term, but over the course, that's why the NBA has seven game series, right? To see who truly yeah. is the better team, and throughout the course of a seven game series, you kind of get used to the other team's tendencies, and you kind of generally are able to figure out the gimmicks and kind of their the sets they run, the kind of tendencies, the spots they go to on the floor, and usually, most times, the better team wins, and I think that's kind of what's going to be happening in the playoffs in the West, but I guess kind of to discuss some other teams in the West, I mean, I don't really see the Nuggets or Jazz, I mean, all due respect, so I mean, we'll kind of discuss them when the playoffs come around. But surprising team to me, the Oklahoma City Thunder, sixth place currently, thirty-four and twenty-two. What have you seen from the Thunder? I mean, Westbrook and George, both gone, and Chris Paul, one of the worst contracts in the league. I mean, they're sitting in sixth place and looking, playing, and probably definitely got to be the surprise of the West for sure. I mean, what have you seen so far from them? For sure, man. I honestly thought they're going to be a lottery team, but I think this just uh, you know adds to Chris Paul's resume, Hall of Fame resume. You know, he's a great leader, great floor general, still has something left in the tank. You know, I, I think back in what uh, not two thousand eight. What was that one year he got? He hurt his hamstring. I think they could have beat Golden State. They're up three yeah. two. That was two. I think two, that, was, that was two seasons ago. ago. Twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they would have won if Chris Paul was healthy. But, you know, it's just, you know, Chris Paul's a baller, man. And they just have a lot of good, solid players that just play. It just, it just mesh well together. And um, it was definitely a, a shock. But, again, Chris Paul, man. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, kind of uh, mentoring those young guards there as well, and Schroeder and Shai Gilgis-Alexander. And then they got a lot of other kind of journeymen guys who play hard. They're not super, uh, like, athletic or super, like, superstar-level guys, but Chris Paul, it just seems like kind of uh, brings the best out of these teams. I mean, this is kind of similar to what he did in his early years in New Orleans with Tyson Chandler and David West as his best... uh, uh, running mates so this is kind of a, a team that's kind of similar to that and then but Chris Paul you've got to imagine I mean and you hope uh, he kind of stays healthy because it seems like towards the l- l- later end and as you get into the playoffs more deeper into the season he kind of has these little knick-knack injuries that ultimately become big injuries and in at the wrong times and the wrong situations so uh, yeah they'll go as far as Chris Paul takes them but like you said, come playoff time, his body just breaks down. But it kind of seems like Houston gave up on Chris Paul a little too early. Yeah, I mean, Houston, I mean, I mentioned it. I mean, I didn't. I was not a big fan of the trade, and I, they probably gave him up because Chris Paul and Harden weren't getting along. And I, 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 I cannot believe that Daryl Morey would approve this type of trade because Westbrook is the the guy that, the Houston identity culture is he's not really the one that kind of fits that. I mean, from a guy, he's not a guy that shoots. He's a high usage guy who is not very efficient. And I can't believe that Daryl Morey would have really wanted to make that trade. So I don't, I don't know what happened there, but it's probably ultimately because James Harden and him weren't getting along. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so James Harden has a lot of say so in the organization, so you gotta yeah. make your star player happy. So yeah, and I mean, they they got rid of Paul's contract, but you didn't think that would be possible. They took on an even worse contract. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you got a bad contract. You, what are you gonna do? You, you flip around and get a worse one. Yeah, right? so <laughs> yeah, a lot but, of people get paid a lot of money to do those things. You know. Yeah, it's a great time to be an NBA player these days. I tell you. But, oh yeah, man. But I guess, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Rockets. I think we both are in the camp that it's a gimmick long-term in the playoffs. So I guess we'll other before we move on to the East, we'll just talk about one more thing, the Dallas Mavs. Luka Doncic, I mean, just playing unbelievably spectacular. I mean, and I mean, a lot of teams miss on this guy. Or, I mean, because I, I believe he had a lot of hype coming in. He was the EuroLeague MVP at 18, and I believe... He's just an absolute joy to watch. I mean, what what do you think about Luka Doncic moving forward in his career? Only 21 years old right now. I can't believe how young he is. You know, I saw him in the earlier season when he played against the Lakers. He, the dude was balling, man, just making plays for everyone, making shots, drawing fouls, just all over the place. And um, I think who passed up on them? Uh, Phoenix and Sacramento, I think? Yeah, Phoenix and Sacramento. And then Atlanta actually trade made a trade. For Trey Young? For Trey Young, yes. Trae Young? So I believe Atlanta took him at three and then made the trade for Trey Young. <laughs> With, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, he looked good last night, though. He dropped 50, man. Yeah, Trey Young is balling as well. But I, I uh, me personally, I think Luka is kind of the more uh, 
the higher MVP ceiling type player moving forward and the franchise type player. And you look yeah, just a lucky stroke a for, for Mark sure. Cuban uh, losing uh, a Euro on Dirk Nowitzki and now gaining two Euros for the future in Porzingis and Doncic to kind of set up the next 10, 15 seasons for him. So Exactly. A good transition from going from you know the Hall of Famer Dirk Nowitzki to now yeah. who has such a huge upside. And Just like the Colts moving on from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck right away, right? So it's pretty yeah, similar exactly. to that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, luck, but that's what it takes sometimes in the sports is just luck, but yeah. Yeah. He's balling, man. Yeah, I mean, he's an absolute joy to watch. He's balling, and I, I look forward to watching him for the rest of the season. But I guess with that, we'll now move on to the East. I guess as far as the big-time teams go, not much moves made, I guess. I guess the biggest move in the East was probably... Andre Drummond getting traded or something, but I mean that's to the team that's the fifteen and forty with the worst record in the East right now. So we won't really talk. We'll talk about. We have to start at the top with Milwaukee forty-seven and eight. Giannis looks primed to be a runaway candidate for his second straight MVP. So is there anything you kind of worry about with Milwaukee going into the playoffs? What do you do? You think anything that worries you? Yeah, it's the same thing as last year, you know, the playoffs, you know, they slow down, have more half-court, and I think teams will figure out what they did, like how Toronto did. Um, Dare I say this yeah. about Milwaukee, do they seem kind of similar to those late 2000s Cavs teams? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> when the Cavs won, like, 60 games, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as good as their record is, yeah, hell yeah, man. I mean, Giannis is definitely, what, at least, a top three player in the NBA right now. At least, yeah. Some would argue the best player in the NBA right now. So, but yeah, but you know they lost that one guy. Uh, I think Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon in Indiana now. He's playing Brogdon. well. And then I mean, and, can you uh, win a championship legitimately with Chris Milton as your second best player? That's the ultimate question, no. right? No, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but as your second go, no, man, I don't think so. I mean, he's good, but no. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a 3 and D type guy. I mean, he's not really, he's more of a spot-up type guy, and he's not really one that can, just watching Milwaukee can kind of create by himself. And Giannis, uh, as as good as he is, still has not figured out that jumper on a consistent basis, yeah. right? I mean, so that that's a kind of another parallel with the Cavs of the late 2000s Cavs. At that point, LeBron was not really a great jump shooter, right? He, I think... LeBron's jump shooting has kind of come about since like 2013, 2014. And Giannis has yet to get to that point where he's a good three-point shooter, good long-range shooter. And he's more just using his athleticism, his length to kind of get to the rim. And he's putting up unbelievable numbers. I think 30 points a game, 14 rebounds, like five, six assists a game, 55% from the field. Those are just staggering numbers. PER above like 31, I believe. Uh, on pace to have to be an all-time record for a entire regular season, but very, very similar to those kind of teams. I mean, from the Cavs, I mean, Central Division. I mean, any thoughts of Giannis possibly leaving in 2021? What do you think? I can see that happening, honestly. I mean, the best chance of them retaining him is they got to make the NBA Finals. They don't make the NBA Finals. We'll say they even lose. 
you gotta show them something that to lead, they're heading towards that direction of uh, building a contender around Giannis and yeah and I mean I you, man, if they lose again like let's say in the conference uh, finals uh, the likelihood of him staying I don't know man it doesn't look good yeah, similar to, I guess, LeBron in the, those seasons. The Cavs never really made any of those big trades for the big guys at the trade deadline. I mean, I don't think they... I mean, they got Jameis in, I think, his last season, but instead of going after Amari, I, I believe, and they never really paired LeBron with that second, like, legitimate superstar-type guy, and I think that kind of, that's kind of playing its course here as well. I mean... You have a lot of good, like, veteran guys around uh, Giannis with Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, uh, Chris Middleton. But that you don't have, like, that legitimate, like, top 20, top 25 type guy, right? I mean, to pair with him. And I think that could be kind of a similar mistake that Cleveland made. And Giannis could ultimately walk because of that to possibly another team in the East. I mean... As far as the East goes, I mean, who do you think is best equipped to take on Milwaukee and beat them in a series? What do you, what do you see? Boston and definitely Miami. I think they can do it. And if Philly gets their shit together, I think they should be able to take care of. Yeah, them. Philly's that that Jekyll and Hyde type team. I was very high on them going into the season, and it's just, I mean, a lot of everything that that uh, could go wrong has gone wrong for them. I mean, Horford hasn't really panned out. Embiid has kind of been in and out with his injuries. Simmons still hasn't figured out his shot. They're very kind of like awkward with their lineups, their long, lanky lineups, and they're just a terrible team. Nine and nineteen on the road for a championship contending team—that's just horrible. Just for context, that's a worse road record than the seventh and eighth seed in the East, the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic. <laughs> You you want to win a championship? You got to win the road. Then you win the championship. That's for damn sure, man. And, yeah. You know, and Beat and Simmons is just a bad fit together because, like you said, Simmons can't shoot a jump shot. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of unfortunate to see. I mean, he doesn't have to be like a legit knockdown shooter, but he's kind of got to be like, like twenty percent. Even if he's like twenty percent, twenty five percent, where he makes like a few every like three games or something, right? But at the more problem is like he's not even like attempting or experimenting to shoot them. He's I think he's only made three in his career, and that's all come this season. So I don't know. I mean, Bad, man. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say. I mean, I didn't really think it was a problem at first when he started, but I think it's now it's becoming to the point where they're very predictable, and it's kind of a big problem. But I guess kind of segueing away from that moving on to a team that's very intriguing to me a team that's surpassed uh, all expectations is Miami Heat I mean I thought they'd be kind of like somewhere in the 6th 7th seed in the east and they're on pace to win I think like 52 53 games and they've just looked spectacular I mean Bam Adebayo has looked excellent in his third season Jimmy Butler looks like maybe he has a permanent landing spot now and they just got a lot of other guys who are kind of young guys, veteran guys. I mean, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, kind of a lot of just good mishmash of guys, Kelly Olynyk. So is this a team that, I mean, combined with the discipline, the heat culture, Eric Spolstra's coaching, is this something, a team that can go on and 
knock off Milwaukee in a, a playoff series? I think they could take on the Milwaukee. I think I'm not sure. To, I mean, they could definitely challenge them for sure. But like you said, it's definitely a surprise. I didn't think they'd be this high playing this well, even though they added Jimmy Butler. And he's 30, still fairly young, but just a good match of guys that's playing well together. But I think they can definitely challenge Milwaukee. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Milwaukee, to be honest with you. I mean, like I said, Giannis doesn't have a jump shot, really, a consistent jumper. I mean, the playoffs slow down. Um, he'll be exposed once again. Okay, yeah, I mean, just going to say this now. Uh, I mean, this is the only thing I'm going to say, I guess, in regard to this. I mean, Giannis to the Heat is a very legitimate option, in my opinion, and I think it's kind of all setting up similar to what happened with LeBron in 2010. I mean, I kind of already mentioned the similarities between the teams, the Milwaukee team of currently versus LeBron's teams with the Cavs in the late 2000s. And kind of you look at Miami, kind of kind of have a similar setup. I mean, kind of aging two-guard who's kind of in the prime, late prime of his career with Jimmy Butler right now compared to Wade in 2010. And kind of an up-and-coming, like, stretch four type guy. And in Bam Adebayo, they already have him compared to Chris Bosh in 2010, who they acquired that year. And... I could see Giannis going to Miami. I mean, getting uh, enamored by that culture in Miami, the Pat Riley dropping the rings, uh, that South Beach weather, the South Beach uh, Miami beaches. So it's something that's possible, and it's something that I could see Miami kind of clearing cap space to sign Oladipo and Giannis. I think Oladipo is a good friend of Giannis's. So I've heard that Giannis, in order to get him, you have to sign Oladipo as well. That's kind of uh, a rumor that I'm hearing. So kind of we'll just see what happens with with that. But just want to mention, there's a lot of parallels with my this Miami team and kind of what happened with the decision in 2010. That's all I want to mention for now. As long as he doesn't go to Golden State, Giannis, I fucking hate Golden State. <laughs> <laughs> so go anywhere but Golden State and Clippers, no Clippers. I don't think they can get them, but as long as those... Yeah, yeah, hey, Clippers have no chance. I don't think Golden State yeah. really has a chance to get them either because Golden State's just... Now with Wiggins locked in and then Clay, Curry, Draymond, they got... they. I don't think they can really realistically make it work with, with their their uh, cap situation. So. Yeah, it seems pretty tight at the moment. But, uh, yeah, that Miami one, uh, you know, Pat Riley added again, man. He knows how to build teams. Yeah, Pat Riley, Danny Ainge, with those those guys are always scheming something, right? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, man. Okay, I guess let's kind of just discuss with uh, on that topic, Danny Ainge, uh, the Celtics. I mean, <laughs> it's become more of a kind of recurring theme. Teams uh, are doing playing a lot better without Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Even his current team, the Brooklyn Nets, have a better record without him than with him on the floor. So what what do we see in Boston? First season, getting rid of Kyrie Irving, getting rid of the negative chemistry, bringing in Kemba Walker. Uh, Tatum has emerged from kind of somewhat of a sophomore slump and playing really well now along with Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward as well. What do you see from Boston? Jason Tatum looks like a superstar in the making right now. To think Lakers could have got him, but oh, 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 oh well. <laughs> but yeah, he, honestly, he looks... He's balling this year, like he's a sophomore slump, but he's looking really good. Again, I think team chemistry is so underrated, and 
Oh, Kyrie. It's Kyrie, man. Great talent, but that locker room, man, who knows what he, he be talking all this weird shit, but yeah, Jason Tatum took it to another level. The Kimber Walker pickup was really nice. Uh, Gordon Hayward, not a lot of people are talking about him, but you know, uh, after the injury of two years, he's actually playing pretty well this year. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of kind of wing guys, and I would imagine they're going to have to trade one of those guys at some point along with some of their picks and probably try to get another big piece, right? Because I think that's got to be there. Got there's got to be something there that sets them up for the future, along with Brown, Tatum, and one one other guy, hopefully for them. And I think that's kind of the the move that they have to make. I think so. I think I think Gordon Hayward. I think next year is his last year of his contract. He initially signed with Boston, right? I believe so. I think yeah, he's in the third year of the fourth four year contract. You said? Yeah, I, b- I believe that's correct. Yeah, so I think. Maybe yeah. Next year okay. he he's an expiring, and they can package him with some picks and get uh, a big big star for them at the deadline. We'll see. I mean, but yeah, you know, the, I've heard them say they want him to stay, but you know, expiring contract. Um, he's playing well, so yeah. The Celtics have mentioned they wanted a lot of guys to stay, but we've seen history has shown us that the Celtics always make the basketball move over the loyalty, emotional. Uh, type move so i think they're going to continue to do that yeah for sure man for sure it's looking good man it's yeah definitely good. and then now the last team we're going to discuss in the east and this is probably some what some people would call disrespect to mention them last i mean the defending champions the toronto raptors sitting currently at 41 and 15 9 and 1 in their last 10 games and have just shown a collective movement, a collective resolve. And Nick Nurse is not scared to try anything, just experimenting with a lot of different lineups. And a lot of guys have played well for them uh, defending their championship. And Pascal Siakam has uh, gone up a level. Fred Van Vliet has gone up a level. They got OG Ananobi back. Uh, Serge Ibaka is playing well. Mark Gasol has been injured, but... Just a lot of good veteran guys, a lot of good young rotational type guys, and they've looked spectacular as well. I think they beat the Lakers on the road as well to end one of their bigger streaks this season. Yeah, I, mean, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the Raptors, and I even mentioned Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's yeah. seemed to kind of gain more of a confidence after getting that playoff monkey off his back last season. <laughs> so, just a lot of good, just. A lot of good players, I mean, and they kind of probably are similar to that 2014-2015 Atlanta team that won like 61-62 games. A lot of yeah. uh, really good players, but no one that's really like a legitimate superstar that really jumps off the page and that can kind of carry you in a series. Maybe Pascal will become that guy in a few seasons, but he's not there yet, in my opinion. So... Yeah, they're definitely fun to watch, and I think they're definitely going to be at least in the conference semifinals, if not back in the conference finals again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're definitely a a surprise for sure, but, you know, a good collective group of people. Like you said, Kyle Lowry got that thing off his back from the playoffs, success, and it makes you question, man. What happened if Kawhi Leonard stayed? Look how good they look now. Yeah, that's and they that's had that. They true. had Kawhi Leonard, that superstar, that go-to guy. Oh man, I. You never know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess with that being said, I mean, 
all the other teams in the East don't really excite me, so I'm not really going to discuss them right now until the playoffs come around. We'll discuss the eight. But I guess with okay. that, I mean, anything else to add to, I guess, the trade deadline, playoff race, any other NBA storylines that you want to discuss before we sign off for the night? Um, yeah, trade deadline was pretty boring, honestly. Not, no, nothing too like drastic or exciting. Yeah, trade deadline, I guess, has kind of become not that great, I guess, unless, I mean, not that many big names. I mean, last few seasons, I mean... Free agency has always been exciting. It seems like the last three or four seasons, though. Well, I sure, mean, and this past free agency was one for the one for the ages for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, twenty twenty free agency does not look to be as hyped as twenty twenty one. So we'll we'll see what happens. Hey, who is the marquee free guy for twenty uh, twenty? I don't even know, really, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I haven't really I looked know, into. Man. I think it's all it's gonna be a dry market. Whoever's looking for a big contract. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, anything else to add? Um, I mean, go Lakers. Uh, pretty good season so far, you know? Exciting. More balance. A lot of, like, one-two punches. So not, like, just expecting Golden State to go all the way, you know? That's a pretty wide open, I feel. Or wide, more evenly balanced, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, the Lakers look uh, primed to make their first playoff appearance since uh, 2013, and that'll be definitely a great sight to see. I mean, uh, the league's always kind of in a in a better place when the, the top teams, the Lakers, uh, one of the marquee franchises, in my opinion, the greatest NBA franchise, are in the playoffs, and that'll be great to see. Yeah, man, uh, once again, I just hope they do it for Kobe, man. How yeah. about Kobe this season? Man? This is the season that has uh, is always going to be remembered uh, for Kobe Bryant uh, for the entire NBA and more more so especially for the Lakers. So let's hope uh, they can make it a great one moving forward at ending the regular season and into the playoffs. Sure, man, for sure. Okay, so with that, uh, we'll sign off for the night. Jay, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, sir, man. And when I come back, uh, hit you up for sure. Definitely. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm probably going to be taking a little bit of a break, and we'll probably be back for NCAA March Madness. Uh, We'll see you guys then.